Hello. Welcome to another November episode. Yeah, genocide. <laughs> Genova- genocide. This one is not genocide. <laughs> Welcome to Historia. Yes, better than your history class. <laughs> I'm Jamie. <laughs> I'm Kylie. And we just got finished talking about Nazis, like, um, today. Like, we're recording this right after that. So, we're going to change the mood up a bit today. Yes, it's been a very sad mood. Yeah, we're going to, we're going to, you know, up it a bit. We're going to be talking about someone who is very well known, very influential, influential. <laughs> That's the word. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to think, because I knew I wanted to do a person, because it's been a while. Yeah. And I was trying to think of someone who, like, is very well known. And I immediately went to music. I was like, I have to do a musician. And so I am doing a musician today. Oh, yeah. we haven't done one in a hot minute. I know. I was trying to think, have we done like a musician? Like someone who's famous in that well, way? Well, we did a composer. We did That's um, true. Beethoven. But we never did like a singer or like oh, someone yeah. more like modern, I guess. I don't know. I mean, we did Marilyn Monroe. And oh, that's Audrey true. Audrey Hepburn. That was a while ago. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was like a year ago. Well, perfect. So... We're going to do a, a fun episode today. It's going to be a two-parter just so it's not extremely long. Mm-hmm. And I'm basically just going to break it up with um, their childhood today and kind of the start of their career. And then next time we'll talk about um, the rest of their career. Are they dead? Yeah. Is it Whitney Houston? No. You could oh. probably guess it within three guesses. Okay. Who do you think? Not Whitney Houston. You have two more guesses. So the de- is it Michael Jackson? Yep. <laughs> oh my god! I was about to be like, <laughs> it is MJ himself. <laughs> so, um, I've always been fascinated by this guy, Jackson Five. Exactly, um, because he's just so weird, you know. And like, yeah, there's a lot to him. So, um, I decided to cover him. So. My mom saw him in concert. Really? When she was younger, yeah. That's pretty cool. So buckle up, guys, because um, this is a ride. And it's very sad. It's like, he had a really sad life. I feel really bad for him. But anyway, we'll get there. Um, so I my sources real quick. Hold on. I wrote them on my phone. Okay. I used biography.com <laughs> to, find, wow. to find everything about Michael Jackson. I used um, his IMDb page. Oh, my God. <laughs> Um, the biggest thing I used was a documentary on YouTube. Okay, that's better. I used two documentaries on YouTube. I was very fascinated. So I watched one um, that is called the new MJ documentary, Man in the Mirror. Um, it came out in March 2017. You can find it on YouTube on Ernest Valentino's official YouTube channel if you would like to see it. Um, I really like this documentary because it also like, I believe there was a movie... I know there's been a few movies made about him, but there was one that like actually shows like an actor kind of going through his life. And so they kept showing clips of that to kind of help tell the story. Yeah. Which was cool. And then the other one um, was Michael Jackson, Life, Death and Legacy. And it's on an account called Free Movies. <laughs> wow. So that's as best as I could get with the who actually, uh, you know, created those movies. But um, that's the title of them. So. The reason why I chose him was because, like I said, I wanted to find, like, a singer, like, someone involved in music. 
But also I was like, who is like the most successful? Like who was able to really make a name for themselves? So eventually, or I immediately, I, I was going to do Elvis, but then I was like, his movie just came out. Like we, eh, eh. I was so, going to cover it. Yeah. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to choose the next influential person after Elvis. And that was Michael Jackson. Mm-hmm. So, um, and they're connected in a way. So we'll get there. But um, so I'm going to talk about the king of pop today, the most successful entertainer of all time, a boy who just couldn't grow up. And that's really the big theme here. Mm. He called himself Peter Pan and we'll get there as well. So (laughs) a lot to look forward to, but we're going to start with his childhood. They made fun of him on South Park for and he was dressed up as Peter Pan (laughs) for Neverland. Oh, my God. Oh, Okay. Okay, perfect. Let's do this. I just did my research last night, so I'll remember all the info. (laughs) Oh, I'm the procrastinator. (laughs) All right. So Michael Joseph Jackson was born on August 29th, 1958. He was the eighth child of Joe and Catherine Jackson, and he was born in Gary, Indiana, um, which was known to be like the city on the move is what they called it. Um, it was a city where there were a lot of people of color living there. And the even the first black mayor of a city in America was there as well. Mm. Um, they had lots of work. They had lots of um, businesses and nightclubs, a lot of opportunities for people of color. Mm-hmm. And so it was a very big area for them. Joe, um, his dad, made a very big impact in his life. And not a positive one. Okay. Um, but just for starters, Joe, as they were growing up, he worked at the steel mills, um, which was dangerous, dangerous work. Mm-hmm. And he knew that he wanted a change. He didn't want to work there forever. Um, they had a small two-bedroom house for all 10 children that they oh had. Oh, my God. So just so you kind of know all of the siblings, I'm going to tell you um, their name and then what year they're born. And some of them, of course, are in the Jackson 5. Others you might heard of, like, um, you know, his wonderful sister, Janet. Okay. So we had Robbie. Why did I write Rebby? <laughs> I don't think that's right. Okay. We had Robbie in 1950, Jackie in 1951, Tito in 1953, Jermaine in 1954, Latoya in 1956, Marlon in 1957, Brandon in 1957, um, Michael in 1958, Janet in 1966. Oh, wow. She's super yeah. young. And then Giovanni in 1974. Dang. So some of them were born like right after the yeah. others. The last three kind of were spread out. Um, they are all alive today, except for Michael and Brandon. Brandon was a twin of Marlon. Unfortunately, he died during birth. So oh. technically, there were only nine kids, but mm-hmm. they did have 10. Um, They were a very, very close family. They loved music. They loved being able to just be together. And when you're in a two-bedroom house, you're very close. You have no Mm -hmm. option than to be close. (laughs) Um, But there was always a lingering uh, worry in the parents' mind of how their kids would end up, especially in the time of racial tension. Um, They weren't too sure of their kids' future. But Joe had a really big drive for them to be successful. Mm-mm. He kind of was not going to take no for an answer. And um, that was his way of, quote unquote, protecting and loving them, yeah. was to make them become something bigger 
So um, just so we can kind of remember this time um, for black people during this time, the two best ways to be successful and to be big were either being an athlete or an entertainer. They really didn't have any other option to make money, mm-hmm. unfortunately, because, um, you know, a lot of businesses are not going to hire them. They can't really climb the corporate ladder like there's not a lot of opportunity for them. Exactly. Um, Michael Jackson, growing up, he had this instant love for music and he really looked up to so many big artists like Gene Kelly, um, Fred Astaire. He just was so fascinated by the way that they could um, kind of take over a stage and be really entertaining. Mm-hmm. And um, he immediately wanted to do that with his life um, from a young age. He felt that these people he would watch um, and these people he would see pictures of, he felt like they were so far away from him, like he would never be able to get to that point Mm -hmm. because of his upbringing, because he's living in a tiny house with his siblings, you know, like he didn't really see the opportunity for him. Um, And so he wasn't really like, I want to be famous one day. He was just like, there's no way I'll be like them. Another big thing that caused tension in the house later on is that um, they were Jehovah Witnesses. So what? Yeah. So his mom actually brought this idea to the family. Um, I don't think Joe was until he got married to her. Mm-hmm. But um, they were very religious and they stayed to themselves. They were known to be a really weird family. Like people didn't really talk to them or hang out with them <laughs> because they didn't really like get close to people. Um, and they didn't celebrate holidays. So there was really no time to like connect with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and their mom was known to be really sweet and kind. They just knew that she was like, you know, religious and it was hard to, um, invite her over if they knew that she would be like not willing to participate in different things. So she had a good reputation. Um, and she was always known to be like that gentle spirit, that really great mom, um, from the people that did know her. Mm-hmm. Joe and Catherine, before they got married, they would actually sing together. Um, And that's kind of how they connected and fell in love. Um, Joe was in a group called the Falcons, where he was a lead singer in that. (laughs) So that also inspired him to um, like music for the rest of his life. Um, The kids were raised listening to music and learning how to sing and dance from both parents. So... Music was a very big part of their childhood. Their mom loved to sing like spiritual songs. um, And then their dad was very into Motown. And so kind of like finding ways to mix the two. And Michael Jackson especially was was the one who was interested in the dancing part and kind of like learning the different things like that. Catherine said that Michael was born naturally talented and outstanding. Like all of the kids um, had a musical talent to them. Yeah. But he stood out the most just because of the way that he was just like, it was so natural to him. Like he didn't have to be taught it when people would come over and see him like his other family or, you know, they did have some friends Yeah. when they would come over and watch them perform. They would all just stare at Michael. (laughs) They called him like the angel. Like he was just very angelic in the way that he sang and performed um, and really captivated the eyes of everyone. Mm -hmm. So because Gary, Indiana was such a big place for people of color and a lot of them were getting involved in uh, Motown. Mm-hmm. They decided to have a lot of like talent shows around the town. Um, so they would have a competition of some sort um, every year where like the best of the best had to be there because there were so many options, like so many people who tried to. It was very competitive to get in. 
Um, so this was known to be like something big of the town. Yeah. Since they were on the move, they wanted to create stars, basically. So when Michael was five years old, he formed a group with his older brothers, Tito, Jackie, Jermaine, and Marlon. And of course, this was called Jackson Five. Hey. Yeah. Um, as soon as they came up with this idea, which was Joe's, by the way, their dad, their dad put extreme pressure on them to work hard because he knew that if they didn't, they wouldn't make it because there's just such a big competition. Of course. So he's like, we have to be the best of the best. Like, there's no option. You don't get to mess around. You don't get to be like, okay. Like, we have to be the best. Um. So, of course, he's the one who really, like, was their manager and kind of led them through all their shows and everything. Um, So to start off, when they first kind of created their group, every Friday night, there was an amateur night at a high school that a lot of people would go to. And every single Friday, there would be a winner. So it would be, like, whoever was the most impressive. People would vote. Okay. The Jacksons won almost every weekend. (laughs) So they were starting to get their name out just in the town, and people were very, like impressed by them um word got around about jackson five it was starting to spread a little bit and then eventually because they live close to chicago they started getting jobs there so more in like the city area they were pretty young too yeah i think his older brothers were like um i think the oldest at this time was like 14 Mm -hmm. so yeah he was significantly younger Mm -hmm. but like they were all pretty young at this time By the time Michael was six, they were turning pro. Like, they were already getting a lot of bookings. and So young. Yeah. And so, of course, you know, Joe didn't let them rest. Joe was just like, we have to accept any opportunity that we can find, so let's keep it going. Michael always stole the show as the youngest because everyone's like, oh, he's so cute and little. Mm -hmm. But also, he had a talent that was just, like, remarkable for being um, such a young kid. So... Michael, at that point, he was like, oh, yeah, I want this. I want to be a star. Like, I would definitely want to steal the show. I think I can do this. Mm -hmm. And he also knew, like, even though he enjoyed performing, he knew it was the only way to get out of being broke and kind of living in the ghetto area. Like, so he had, like, a mindset of, I enjoy this, but also, if I don't do this with my talent, we're going to be broke forever. Yeah. So it was kind of like, I think he always carried that pressure. Obviously, for the family. Especially at such a young age. Too. I know. I can't imagine being six and being mm-hmm. worried about, like, if I can't do this, then my family's not going to make money. Yeah, like, you and your family are, like, you and your siblings are the financial supporters and not your parents. Right. It's like you're being put into, like, an adult position at the age of six. Yeah, that is a lot to carry. Exactly. I can't even imagine. Um, And this was, you know, kind of all he knew. He didn't have a childhood. Mm -mm. And it really robbed him of that. I wonder if they went to school or if they were homeschooled at that point. I'll get there a little bit. I don't talk a lot about it, but I'll get there. So Joe was determined to get them out of poverty. So um, because he's putting so much pressure on them, it's still not really working. A lot of times they want to just hang out and mess around. Mm -hmm. And Joe would stop them if they like messed up even a little bit and yell at them. And eventually this would turn into abuse. Um physical abuse especially to michael Mm -hmm. he had the most pressure on him being like the star of the five and being the youngest he was more um what's the word like when you're the one who is easier to attack uh vulnerable vulnerable yes so he was the most vulnerable Mm -hmm. and so um 
It took Michael 40 years to be able to admit the abuse. Um, He eventually did, but he didn't tell a lot of people growing up because it was too hard to talk about. Well, it's embarrassing in a sense, too, for them. Like, that feeling. Right. It's like your protector is not protecting mm-hmm. you. Like he doesn't love them. Yeah. yeah. And um, he's just using them as business. Exactly. Michael recalls hearing his mother screaming when Joe would chase them around the house, especially Michael. And um, he remembers his mom just saying, Joe, you have to stop. You're going to kill him. Like, trying to stop it. But, like... There wasn't really anything she could say Mm -hmm. um, to get him to stop. So Michael kind of used this as a game of like catch, like come find me. So he would run away um, and he was really fast as a kid. And so Joe had a really hard time catching him. Mm -hmm. Um, But when he finally did, it would not end well for him. Gosh. Yeah. And some friends of them even recall seeing Joe the way that he looked at the kids It was like he had fire in his eyes. Mm -hmm. Like it was like, do not mess this up. Um, And people could really see kind of this like tension between them and Mm -hmm. how scared Michael looked of his dad. So Michael's childhood was kind of like a prison. He had to work super hard or he would get abused, you know, and he didn't have an option. Mm -hmm. Michael never forgave his father. Um, When he eventually died, he left money in his will for everyone in his family besides Joe. So he didn't leave him a single cent. Good. And I think Joe died in 2018, but his mom's still alive. Mm -hmm. So Michael, unfortunately, never was able to grow up. Um, He was always trying to stay in his childhood, and he was always trying to create kind of something new for himself because his childhood was ruined. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, he never had one in a sense of like Mm -hmm. that. I guess being a child, like if you have to immediately become an adult, yeah, you're gonna as soon as you start to develop, you're not gonna have that. I guess that growth of maturity, right? It's hard to when you're only set with your siblings that are growing up with the same problem as you, mm-hmm. and then you're not going to school to learn from other people, from mm-hmm. teachers and stuff. Like it doesn't. Yeah, he's stuck in his own bubble. Yeah, you know, even in his 40s when he started to kind of talk about this issue and like the abuse and everything he was known as like the sad isolated singer by this time he was already white you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) and already looked creepy um (laughs) and he actually wrote a song kind of asking fans to forgive his immaturity and kind of explaining to them that like he didn't have a childhood um and so this is when people i'll get there um but this is when people found him as weird and were kind of he lost his reputation yeah and he would become obsessed with children Um, And the big reason for this is because he couldn't become a man. There was, it was really hard for him to find that transition if he didn't understand what it meant to be a man Mm -hmm. and if he was just never able to be a kid. So he actually wrote a song where the lyrics ask, have you seen my childhood? And there's a whole music video of him just like, it's a very sad music video kind of showing like a young black boy kind of going through what he went through. Um, so anyway, that's just like foreshadowing into the future, mm-hmm. but back to age six, um, this is when the Jackson five started touring. They were playing everywhere in the U S already, anywhere where they could get. Michael would only, he would go to public school for a little bit at a time, but would always be taken out to go on tours. So he never had like a normal childhood, especially with that. And he wasn't really homeschooled either. So he didn't have much of an education. Yeah. Um, he would come i remember one of the interviews said like when he would go to his like kindergarten teacher she'd be like where were you and he'd be like oh i was in new york city playing for a few shows like he was just like it was so crazy 
Um, but he would spend every second on stage being entertaining. There was never a moment where you could look at him and he wasn't like smiling. Mm -hmm. Like he always had a smile. Um, he did his like classic turns that he learned from other Motown, um, stars. And then he even started like the mic drop Mm -hmm. and kind of the dramatics of that. He knew how to keep all eyes on him Mm -hmm. and that's what he kept going for. But when we are thinking of his life outside of performing, he was terrified. One, the racial tension in the world and having to travel throughout the United States in these cities. Mm -hmm. It's scary. Yeah. Um, they would travel through a lot of hostile territories and America was racially segregated and they were traveling everywhere. Uh, Michael learned to fear the outside world and he was just terrified. Um, Traveling at night was what they had to do, you know, after shows. And that's especially risky. You never know if like the KKK is there, like you just never know what's going to happen. And with this, they couldn't stay at like safe hotels. You know, they couldn't go to other restaurants, restrooms, like, you know, the, the segregation, um, so it was hard to not be in risk of your life, yeah. but also to do what you want to do. So they had to be very careful. Um, and with this being said, with the segregation, theaters were also separated. So any moment where you wanted to go see a show, um, there were s- segregated shows. So the black people couldn't watch the white people perform. Um, if they went to a show where a white person was performing, they had to keep their head down. Mm-hmm. They didn't deserve the right to watch. <clears throat> So the Jackson Five were performing at um, what were known as Black Theaters, which were huge clubs that they had created. In these clubs, they wanted to kind of make it like an escape place Mm -hmm. um, to get away from the tension. So they had like casinos and strippers, (laughs) all kinds of things. Um, And then the Jackson Five would perform there. So it'd be like all these like crazy adult things happening. And then children would be there. Yeah. So with that being said, Michael was exposed to sex and sexuality at a young age because of things he saw at the clubs. Um, His brothers, they would all stay in one room and they would, his brothers would hook up with girls and tell Michael that when they brought a girl home that he needed to pretend to be asleep. Um, And he never was. So he heard everything. And so, you know, as, as at a young age, he's six years old He's going to have an unhealthy relationship with sex because he doesn't understand it Yeah. because then he'd go home and his mom would say like sex is a sin. So then he'd have this like confusion where it's like my brothers are doing it. So they're going to go to hell and like I can hear them doing it. But my mom says not to. But we're performing in these clubs where it's like, you know, sex is like a positive thing. So he's just like he doesn't know what to think, you know, no one's teaching him. Right. Yeah, so he just has a really mixed up perception of sex. Um, And in 1977, Jackson 5 were earning up to $6,000 a gig. So this is when they really were becoming pretty successful. Mm -hmm. Um, And Joe was like, all right, y'all are doing so good. I can give up my job. So he quit his job at the um, steel mill. And they ended up actually signing a contract with the Steel Town Records. And this is when they released their first official single, Big Boy where at nine years old, Michael sang about growing up and leaving childish things behind. So he, they actually wrote a song about him being like, I'm grown up. When am I going to find someone to love me? And he's nine years old. Oh, my God. Yeah. But people like this song. <laughs> um, they sold 10,000 copies. This wasn't that big. If, it, if we hear 10,000, it's really not that big. He was on the charts, but like not really on the big charts. Yeah. Or sorry, they were not just him. Um, <laughs> uh, so they weren't super big yet, but they were kind of getting their name out there and performing in little little venues and different things. 
at this time with Motown being so popular and black performers, you know, wanting to get out there, there were a lot of charts to be on. Motown Records was a huge one. Motown Records was a, if you get on Motown Records, then you have made a big deal um, and you know that you're going to have a successful career. So like Diana Ross was on it, Mm -hmm. you know, like big stars where they had these opportunities to be able to tour and different things. So at the time, Motown Records was led by um, a man named Barry Gordy, and he was the most powerful man in black music. So everyone knew his name and knew that if he contacted you, you were in. So um, at this time, Motown had 17 number one singles on the mainstream Billboard charts, which is pretty good because they're kind of breaking through the battle of racial segregation. And people in these in different areas are wanting to listen to Motown, Mm -hmm. um, even if they're white. So this was a huge deal, and he was a part of kind of music getting everywhere. Um, like I mentioned, Diana Ross were a part, was a part of this, as well as The Temptations, different groups like that, um, who were starting to become really big at the time. Yeah. So Motown really were was able to change um, black people's ability to perform and have a successful career. If it wasn't for this big concept of Motown, you know, they wouldn't have the opportunities that they do. And it's just so crazy to think about how this wasn't that long ago, like in the 60s. It's like, yeah, (laughs) Um, so it's just wild. But in July 1968, the Jackson 5 auditioned on camera and gave the best performance they have ever given um, with Michael leading them. Hmm. They knew that if they recorded themselves, they could kind of send this to different record deals and kind of see if they could get bigger. Um, So they ended up shipping the footage to Barry in charge of Motown Records in Los Angeles. And they thought when um, Motown Records was reviewing the footage, they actually thought that um, Michael Jackson was like a little person and not a kid. Wow. (laughs) Because of his like mature sound. Yeah. So um, Motown Records was immediately like blown away by their performance and ended up signing them. And once they found this news out, they were like, we made it. Like, this is it. This is the highest we could get. Like, Mm -hmm. there's nothing above this. And so, you know, they felt satisfied. They were like, we are where we need to be. Um, We can move out of this house. We can get a bigger house. And, like, we're we're successful. So they really didn't think there was anything bigger coming. Mm -hmm. Um, But on on October 7th, 1969, they created one of my favorite songs of all time, I Want You Back. Oh, I love that song. (laughs) It's so good. And it was number one in Motown. And it became a huge hit in mainstream charts as well. So this song really created them to kind of reach out to all of the charts. Um, But with all of the success that was happening, they were intensely controlled by their record label. Oh, I bet. As usual, you know, Mm -hmm. it always happens. They were told how to sing, how to behave, um, how to look. And Michael was taught at a young age that image is everything. Michael really didn't have a sense of reality. To him, it was just like, you're on stage, you need to entertain. Mm -hmm. He didn't really get to find himself and who he actually was. There was an interview one time where somebody was asking him at the age of nine how old he was. And they were like, so you're six, right? And he was like, yeah. So he just kind of went along with whatever people said Mm -hmm. because he wanted them to have the best image of him that he could get. And as a a nine-year-old, you're already thinking of that. That's damaging. Yeah. By the time he was 11, this is when he became a star. Jackson 5 had four number one singles and 10 million albums were sold. 
They even were on their own TV show for a little bit. So they were called Jackson 5, but it was always about Michael. (laughs) You know, it was like one of those situations where it's like they didn't know the other brother's names. (laughs) Um, They really only cared about the leading boy. Makes sense. Yeah. So Michael really couldn't belong to himself. He had to belong to everyone else and he had to go with whatever everyone else wanted. So nobody really considered what a young boy would need, especially going through puberty and kind of getting older. They were just like, he's fine. He's he's successful. You know, he's happy. Mm -hmm. And that's really what they thought. So by the time he was 14 years old, he was recording singles like Rock and Robin, um, but forced to still perform them with his siblings. So even though he was the one singing by himself, they still wanted all the boys up there. Yeah. Which is kind of like, I'm sure they were all just like, okay, why are we here? Mm-hmm. Um, but they also knew it was important for to their dad um, to stay as Jackson 5. So in real life, Michael was shy, scared, and withdrawn. It was really hard to talk to him. He was very insecure, especially when he did go to school. He didn't talk to anybody. He was so sheltered. He didn't know. He didn't know how to communicate, you know, so... The only time where he could feel confident was on stage. So that happens a lot with like child actors, I feel like. Mm -hmm. To where they become more reserved because they don't know how people are going to treat them like outside of their performances, especially when you've been taught for so long to be afraid of the outside world. Yeah. That it's hard to completely change it. Right. And you can't relate to anyone. Exactly. What would he do? Go up to someone at recess and be like, They'd be like, what'd you do this weekend? He'd be like, oh, I just sold like a million copies of my album. They'd be like, okay, I played with my neighbor. You know, yeah. like he couldn't relate to any of the other kids. So mm-hmm. like even if he tried to talk to them, it wouldn't work. Yeah. So especially when he's growing up and kind of becoming this teenager, he was very awkward in his growing up and like his body, like he became very lengthy and um, he just showed his sadness a lot. You could tell that he was pretty sad, Mm -hmm. but he also seemed humble. He seemed like he was like, even though I'm getting famous, like I'm still this normal boy who's, who grew up in Gary, Indiana. Um, and everybody, like everyone around was just giving him this idea that he needs to stay young in order to keep Jackson five going, especially his dad. Um, so even though he was growing up, he kind of convinced himself he was still like five years old. So this would become, part of his adulthood um joe when given the idea did not want michael to become a single artist at all like he wanted jackson five to continue Mm -hmm. because he thought of it as a family business he didn't want michael to have his own success basically because he knew that he would leave him but michael was kind of ready to go on his own because he knew that he was already the leader so Mm -hmm. he was like why can't i just kind of create my own music So he kind of had this idea where he would do some with Jackson 5 and then some on his own. And so he actually ended up going behind his dad's back to reach out to Motown Records' rival label, Epic. And um, so he actually ended up meeting with them on his own. He told them that he wanted to be able to express his own creativity and to be heard. And um, he wanted to write and create music on his own. And they were like, yeah, that'd be awesome. Like, we would love that. And so once he actually approached the family and told them about this, they weren't very happy at first. But after they were talking, Joe agreed maybe it was time for something new because the boys were no longer boys. Like Mm -hmm. they at this time, you know, all of them were like in their 20s or getting older. And so it was kind of weird. 
And so they couldn't be a boy band, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. because they were older. Only Jermaine was against this idea. The rest of the boys were like, yeah, I think it's time to kind of separate our ways. But Jermaine was like, no, we can't do that. Well, that's because he probably didn't know what else to do. Right. Um, And I'm actually surprised that Joe was kind of for this idea. But I think, you know, his focus right now is how can I make the best money? Exactly. And he didn't want Jackson 5 to just kind of fall through the cracks as new artists were coming up. Mm -hmm. So in pop music, like you have to be new and exciting. Otherwise, you disappear. Exactly. So... At age 18, he ended up joining Epic as a mature artist, is what he was known to be, um, because he's growing up, you know, but he still acts like a child. There were a lot of times where the producers were just like, he is weird, because he would act like a four-year-old. Like, he would take, one example of this was like, he would take someone's wallet and like open it and like make the cards all fall and then laugh. He thought it was fun. So he was like, yeah, he was just very childish. But they were like, he's talented, so just ignore that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so one really big turning point of his career was when a producer offered him a part as the scarecrow in the film The Wiz. I love The Wiz. It wasn't very successful, but it has a really good cast. Um, <laughs> and he was really good in it. But so when he brought this idea up to his dad, um, Joe was like, absolutely not, because it required Michael to leave the family for three months to live in New York City. And it would bring him to be a big star because of the cast that they already had. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Joe was like, he was kind of threatened by this because he's thinking of Michael moving on, uh, moving on on his own and thinking of like Michael kind of getting rid of the family, mm-hmm. you know? And so he was like, don't do the film. It's it's not good for you. They're going to change you and like trying to convince him not to. Being manipulative. Yeah. And Michael was just like, no, dad, like I want this opportunity and you can't really control me anymore. Like he was able to kind of... Um, lose some of that control from Joe finally. Mm-hmm. Um, and even his managers really had his back because they knew Joe was controlling. So they did everything that they could to get Joe to stay away so that he could do the film. And so he ended up doing the whiz in 1978. This was a triumph for Michael. This is what he was kind of known for at the time. Um, the way that he played the scarecrow, if you've ever seen the whiz, it's like wizard of Oz, but like better. Like, they, like, up it up, and it's just exciting and fun. I highly recommend, you don't have to watch the movie, but, like, just watch, like, clips of the musical. It is so fun, and the whole cast, you know, is people of color, and it's just, like, they bring, like, this, like, jazz to it, but when he played the Scarecrow, he had to wear huge shoes, Oh gosh! and everyone was just so impressed by the way that he could still dance in these shoes, and just, like, you know, do his turns, and he just, like, he stole the show in this movie, and they were like, how do you dance in a complex costume like that? That. like there's no way mm-hmm. so this movie really upped his career and it also introduced him to Quincy Jones which was the producer and Quincy was just blown away by Michael he was like I see so much potential in him I'm gonna help him out I'm gonna get him to be big um, so during the time of filming Michael was living by Central Park and one night his friend was like hey let's go to the dance club like you're the perfect person to go with so let's go so they went to um studio 54 when they pulled up to the theater it was kind of like a red carpet was out like everyone recognized him Mm -hmm. and they were just like oh i can't wait we get to dance with michael this is gonna be so fun and so as they were there michael was able to kind of let loose and have fun for the first time ever honestly And his friend was trying to convince him, you know, find a girl, hook up with her. Like, you need to be able to experience life. This is your chance to meet someone that you can love. At this time, Michael really only had one girlfriend. And she, 
later on when they interviewed her she said that she thought they were friends so to him (laughs) she was a girlfriend but I don't think they were (laughs) I know I feel so bad for him but that was the only experience he's had with love and so his friends just like you know you need to meet someone and get out there um especially like now like people are into you like you're you can really find people to love you and um Michael was just kind of like I don't know how to talk to people but okay (laughs) and he just didn't care about women like he didn't feel the need to hook up with women or to meet women he just wanted to have fun like because he's still a child you know he's not gonna mature in that way um and so he kind of turned that idea down and was just like no i can't do that um and everyone just thought it was weird how he like kind of didn't take control of that part of his life but he didn't it took him a really long time to and this is where I'm going to start part one because he's finally slowly managing to free himself from his family. And this would lead to him kind of creating his own career. So part two is going to be about his career as a solo artist, the downfall of his career and his death. Oh no. (laughs) So hold on tight. But um, yeah, his childhood is just, Oh, it hurts. Yeah. Cause there's no positive moments besides maybe when he was like three or four. Well, yeah, because he worked so much, and then he was never... I think with, like, the problem that he has, too, with, like, not wanting to really, like, meet women and stuff like that, is that he wasn't really around them. Exactly. Yeah. So, we uh, we talked about socially awkward Michael Jackson as a child, and, yeah. She got interesting. Oh, it does get interesting. So, stay tuned, because I know we're all wondering what happened to his face, how yeah, he die, all the things... So, it's thriller. <laughs> thriller. Yes, we'll get there as well. All right. Where can you find us? You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok at History of the Podcast. Follow us on TikTok to go see our fun Halloween TikTok we made. And um, you can also email us at historyofthepodcast at gmail.com. Yes, fun ideas, questions. Yes. We have December coming up. So, if you have any. Christmas ones. I'm very, I don't know what I'm going to do for December. Yeah. Any holiday ideas, etc. That'd be great. Thanks. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see you next, next week. week. Bye. We <laughs> just talked at the same time. <laughs>